Healed Being is the program I created from the ground up that lays out every single step you need to take and every single thing to expect along the journey of stopping emotionally abusive behavior. If you've discovered that you're being hurtful to someone that you love and you want to change that about yourself, sign up for the first four lessons for free over at HealedBeing.com. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani and I want to help you learn the skills you need to deal with life's challenges using emotional intelligence and critical thinking without compromising who you are. This show consists of my personal opinions and is meant for informational purposes only. Always seek a professional for your mental health and well-being. And to the reviewer that said, uh, I'm going to give you one star because there's no guests, there's no experts, it's just you talking. Thanks for your <laughs> thanks for your comment. Um, yeah, it's a monologue show. I don't say, hey, I'm an expert. Come and listen to me. I know what I know. <laughs> I know what I'm teaching. Uh, and I know how to help others through situations that uh, maybe they need help with. But I don't come on here and say, hey, I know everything. Listen to me. I just say, this is what I know and I hope it helps. So thank you for that review. That was, that was very... <laughs> Very kind of you. But uh, on with the show. I don't know what they were looking for. Probably a podcast that interviews people. But uh, this is not that kind of show. I don't interview people. And um, I like it that way. I hope you do. I really just want to hang out with you. I just want to talk to you. I want to put my attention, my focus on you. I want to be present with you. If this is your first time, welcome to the show, and I'm hoping to do my best with you, give you my best, give you my all, as I've been doing for the last uh, nine years. I am so glad that you are here, and I'm just going to answer a question that uh, somebody wrote to me. They said, uh, I've been listening to your podcast for the last few weeks, and I came to the conclusion I can't do this anymore. I've been married for a number of years, a whirlwind romance and a quick engagement and then married within two years. When I look back, I see all the red flags now. And they go on to say uh, everything that's been happening. The, the I guess it's a wife and a husband. The wife says that the husband is disagreeable and yells and uh, is very toxic, emotionally abusive. And um, she just decided that's it. I've had enough. And she tells him it's over. I, I don't want to do this anymore. And then suddenly he's Mr. Nice Guy. He is the best person on the planet. He's sweet and generous and kind and compassionate. Uh, this reminds me of like when you go to cancel your cable bill and then suddenly they give you the best deal they have. Why oh, you're canceling? Let's give you six months free. Why didn't you do that in the first place? I've been a great customer for 10 years. <laughs> so they show their kindness when you've had enough. And I'm, you know, nothing against companies that do that. That's just their cancellation department. They, they're trying to save. Uh, but I, I do have some issues with that. But in relationship department, it shouldn't work that way. When you're in a relationship with somebody, that kindness and caring and supportiveness and respect and generosity and everything that should be in a relationship, that should be there. It should be there from the beginning, from the onset. That should be there. Now, of course, we're going to have disagreements. Of course, we're going to have heated conversations and even arguments. As much healing that I've done, because I used to be uh, a hurtful person in my relationships. I used to be emotionally abusive. And I screwed up all these relationships. These great people experienced my toxic behaviors. And after my marriage ended... I realized, oh, <laughs> I am the cause of all my problems. I am the common denominator. 
I got to fix this. I got to heal myself. And I chose to be single until I was on a good healing path and felt really good about myself and wasn't relying on somebody else to be my only source of happiness and my only source of energy. I had to learn a lot and I had to heal a lot. So I learned that, gee, all the good things that I believe I do now, all the caring and the kindness and the respect and the love and the support that I show now should be there from the onset, from the get-go. And uh, when I got into the relationship I'm in now, it's the most trigger-free relationship of my my whole life. I don't carry what I call a burden of wanting to change or control someone else. I don't carry that with me anymore. It used to weigh on me. Why aren't they doing what I want them to do? They would, If they would only do what I want them to do, we would both be happy. That was my belief. We would both be happy if they only changed, if they only did exactly what I wanted them to do. So I would find covert ways to manipulate and try to change them. And that's just wrong. It's toxic. Because when you have a romantic relationship... One individual, this is a typical romantic relationship, one individual gets into a relationship with the, another individual and you have two independent people becoming interdependent or interindependent and they are walking to the sunset, holding hands and still doing their own things. Now you might combine some things. Hey, let's buy a house together. Hey, let's go on vacation together. Let's go to the movies together. But um, each person still has their own lives and their own ways to think about life, their own perceptions, their own beliefs, their own values. And when you take those things away from somebody by trying to control or change them, you take away a part of them and sometimes more than a part of them. I'm not sure where I'm going on on that tangent, but coming back to this person who wrote, she said uh, she had enough. And then suddenly, oh, this is where I was going. Suddenly, he was acting nicer and kind. And yeah, that should be, from day one, that should be what happens. And here's the problem. The problem is, from day one, in a toxic or emotionally abusive relationship, from day one, it usually does look like that. Kind, respectful, supportive. I support you. I support your happiness, which is my definition of love. When you support someone else's happiness, That shows them that you love them, that you care about them, that you want them to be happy. And you smile when you see them smile. You're happy when you see them happy. That's love. That's how I see love. And so when they're not happy, I believe in a healthy relationship, that should affect the person that uh, loves that person who's not happy. So if you're not happy, if we're in a relationship and you're not happy, I'm not happy. Like something my girlfriend said, if I'm happy, we're all happy. <laughs> if you clean the kitchen, I'm happy. Okay, that's great. If I clean the kitchen, she's happy. And so that's what I do because I want to see you're happy. And the kitchen needs to be cleaned anyway, so I'm going to do it. But uh, I remember that when she told me that many, many years ago. Wow, that, that makes her happy. That's what I'm going to do. I like making her happy. Making her happy makes me feel happy. And, you know, let's be honest, it makes life easier. (laughs) It makes life easier when the person you care about is happy. Why would anybody want to be with somebody that they're stressing out? And when they're stressed out, it makes your life more difficult. I'm going to stress you out so that my life sucks too. That's really what happens in the romantic relationship. When you are doing something hurtful or stressful or making them feel like they aren't uh, an independent person anymore or there aren't they aren't an individual when they feel like they are being manipulated or controlled and they can't make their own decisions you know most for the most part there are decisions we make with each other but um, when they are an independent person and you take that independence away and you want them to become dependent on you and you want to control them and want to change them then they become unhappy because nobody wants to be controlled. I I haven't found anyone that wants to be controlled in any type of relationship. A mom and a child. 
A child doesn't want to be controlled, even though they need help, they need authority, they need discipline to get through life and learn what's right and wrong, and you know, hopefully that is being taught in a healthy way. But um, control. nobody likes to be controlled, no matter who you are, uh, unless, well, I guess there are submissives, dominance. <laughs> there are uh, fetishes out there that some people like to be controlled. I'm not talking to you. That's a path that if you are into that, you can follow. No problem. I'm not here to put that down. But in a typical relationship, you want to feel like you have autonomy and you can make your own decisions. And if your decision is to say, look, this is uh, too much for me and I can't handle it anymore and I'm going to take a break and I'm not going to talk to you for a while, that is should also be supported. That might be controversial, but let's just say you're in a romantic relationship and that person says, I need a break. Do you say, no, don't take a break? Or do you say, I support that, whatever you need? There's something in the middle there, I'm sure, that you might support as well. And you know, you're going to have a conversation about this. But um, after the conversation's over, if they want a break, let them have it. Absolutely. I support you. If you need a break, great. If you need a break from me, then I want you to have it because I don't want you to get sick of me. I don't want you to get overwhelmed by me. I don't want you to be stressed out by me. I want you to be happy when you're around me. I want your eyes to light up when you see me. Oh my God, it's so nice to see you. I'd I'd love that. We live together. She doesn't brighten up every time she sees me now. (laughs) When you're together all the time, it's a little different. But it would be nice if she wasn't upset. It'd be nice if the person you care about uh, didn't feel stress when they saw you, didn't feel pressure, didn't feel any obligation or expectation from you. It's nice to allow someone to be who they are, be themselves. This person who wrote said uh, he suddenly became nice. He suddenly became the person I really appreciate and that's what I want. But a little later, and she says this in the message, uh, he starts, you know, yelling again and the disagreements continue and he was being very unreasonable with the kids and he's expecting perfect behavior all the time and he expects me to be okay with his treatment of the kids. And if I didn't, he would say, I never support him or have his back. Now, that's a little different. You know, when you have kids, you're going to have different parenting styles. You're going to have a different disciplinary styles. And that's tough. I mean, I don't have kids, but I've had animals. And there have been disagreements about how to raise or treat the animals. And yeah, you you got to come to a compromise. You definitely have to tell each other or talk to each other and share what you believe the kids should experience and how they should be raised. And that's much, much more difficult when you have two people that have differing values because you might have a strong disciplinarian and they should be spanked every time they do something wrong. And then you have the other side of that, which is somebody who says they're just kids and they're going to do things wrong and I'm going to tell them when they do something wrong and I'm going to share with them that they shouldn't do that again. So it's going to be more talking and it'll still be some discipline, but it's done with love where the disciplinarian might say, well, that's not good enough. They need to know that there is accountability for their behavior and so on and so on. So that could definitely play a part in some relationships. So what do you do about that? You you do have to talk about it. You do have to come to a compromise, but sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it doesn't happen. And so this is where I go with that. When you have to share something with somebody else, you have to meet in the middle somewhere. And if you can't, if you can't meet in the middle somewhere, then you just have to agree that your styles are going to be different. And in the case of children, they're going to experience that person the way they need to experience that person. They're going to experience you the way they need to experience you. And what does that mean? That means they're going to adapt. And adapting means coping. Coping with your style, coping with their style. 
And coping really has more to do with challenges. So then when they feel challenged or stressed or stressed out or pressured, they're going to learn coping mechanisms and they're going to figure it out. Not all of them. I mean, sometimes it becomes more difficult for children, especially with a more aggressive or abusive uh, parent or caretaker. But they do learn how to cope. And I've had to tell many, many parents, especially the victims of emotional abuse, they'll say, oh, my partner, my wife, my husband is just being awful to the kids and I'm afraid that uh, the kids are going to grow up and be awful as well. And I said, you know, I've known perfectly healthy, or quote, healthy parents that have raised children to be uh, devilish and rebellious and committed crimes and just turned down a path that was uh, not healthy for them. They went down a path that wasn't good for them. And I said, it, it didn't matter who their parents were because they have a lot of peer pressure. They have friends that they meet up with. It sometimes, I mean, it does matter who their parents are sometimes, but sometimes you can't do anything about it. My advice with kids is love them the best you can and show them how to treat others through your own actions. That's the best you can do sometimes because kids don't really listen <laughs> to everything, especially when they reach a certain age. They're done listening to the adult because now they know everything. And so they're going to move on without the adult and they're going to find friends that uh, know what they're going through. So they stop listening to the adult, you know, some of them, they stop listening to the adults, do their own thing, and you hope they have good friends, good influences. But whether they do or not, it's important that you show them that you love them and you're there for them and you're not there to judge them. You're just there to hear them and help them through any challenges they're going through. I mean, this is not a parenting advice show, but uh, I'm kind of hitting on a lot of topics that deal with family and relationships that can be or might be helpful to people out there that may need to hear something like this. Because, yeah, there can be differences in how we raise children. There can be differences in how we treat each other. And children learn through how we treat other people. Not necessarily always treating them, but how we treat other people. And I think that's an important thing to apply is that like this person who wrote, she's in a relationship with a man that is very difficult, hurtful, abusive. And because of that, the kids are seeing how she's being treated and also how she's responding to that treatment. And if she's standing up for herself and they're learning how she's responding and behaving and reacting. And they're also learning how He's responding and behaving and reacting. And they're taking that information with them. They're absorbing it. They're adapting. And they're developing their own behaviors because of that. And so that's important to apply to a situation like this. And this is, I see that a lot. There are children involved in unhealthy or difficult, challenging, toxic relationships that need to adapt, that need to learn how to deal with life. Some people or some children will grow up and become the people they saw and other children will grow up and become the opposite of the people they saw. And it all depends on how they learned to cope with the challenges when they were younger. I say all of that because to the person who wrote, that has to be a variable in your consideration in this formula that you described, your children are experiencing the, uh, the quote, right way to handle situations from your own behaviors and your own responses. And if they see mom crying because of what something that dad said, or they see one of their parents uh, upset or angry because of something the other parent did, that's how they learn. That they look at that and they say, "Okay, this is what I'm supposed to do." And that can be uh, that can go in a wrong direction. And um, again, it doesn't mean that's always how they turn out because of the parents. Like my stepfather was an alcoholic and my mom was a people pleaser. Uh, well, I guess in that case, I turned out more like my mom, and I made drugs and alcohol uh, a big no-no in my life. And then I got 
a little loose on the alcohol and allowed, that sounds bad, but I allowed myself to drink alcohol and I will have an occasional drink once every few months. And it, it took me a long time to get to that point because I was so damn against drinking because I was in an abusive alcoholic's household and I had to figure out what was best for me and what kept me safe. And I knew alcohol was unsafe, at least as a child, and I didn't want that in my life. So it took a long time to get past that and get to a point where I realized, oh, as long as I am responsible, I can enjoy a what somebody once called a sweet girly drink that I like. <laughs> oh, you want a Kahlua and cream? That's a girly drink, isn't it? Yes, just give it to me. I don't care. And uh, I'm okay drinking girly drinks. <laughs> so my point about all of this is that, yes, children can learn and adapt, and their adaptation isn't uh, necessarily always healthy. Sometimes they become super resilient. Sometimes, sometimes they become strong, and they can get through that. But to the person who wrote, just keep this in mind. Keep this in mind. Your children are absorbing this stuff. They're absorbing your responses, your behaviors, his responses and behaviors. And they're learning how to treat other people that way. And I, I know a lot of this is, yeah, we already know this, Paul. I know that. But there are new parents that come and listen to the show. And I just want to put that out there just in case it's not well known. Hopefully it is, but I think it's important to remember that because some people stay in relationships too long. Is this person staying in this relationship for too long? She said, six months ago I had enough and I decided to end the marriage. All of a sudden, he's a nice, pleasant, calm, agreeable person. And that continued for a few months, but uh, here we are again. He's trying his best. He, that's what she said. My heart had enough and I couldn't do it anymore. So we're separated at the moment. We still live together and we have children. They're going to school. Um, his mood is up and down. And some days I know I've done the right thing. Other days he acts so perfectly. And I think maybe I shouldn't really complain. People can't seem to understand why our relationship isn't working as we have a lot in common. And he is very charming and kind and complimentary when all is good. I don't know what to do. Can you shed any light on the situation? I'm addicted to listening to your podcast. Okay, she talks. Thank you for the compliment. I'm just being, am I just being too picky? And um, no one is perfect. Should I just get on with it? <laughs> all right. Thank you for sharing all of that. And I read your letter in pieces as I moved through this segment. Uh, but it's important to kind of get the whole context here before I give you my final answer, which is uh, uh, I look at relationships, any relationship, as uh, the 50-50 rule. So the 50-50 rule, I don't know if I called it that before, but I look at it as am I more happy than not over 50% of the time? That's really what it comes down to. Maybe it should just be the 50% rule. Am I more happy than not more than 50% of the time? Are you? Are you more happy? than not over 50% of the time? If you say, well, I'm half happy and half not, or I'm happy 51% happy of the time, or maybe you're happy 70% of the time because 30% he's a real you-know-what. Okay, so you get that number in mind. It could be any number. Maybe you're unhappy most of the time. But I look at that 50% rule and I say, okay, if you're more happy than you are unhappy, that's more than 50%, and maybe that'll be okay. But the deciding question for you really needs to be uh, this next one, which is, will I be okay if this never changes? Will I be okay? Will this be good enough? Can I be happy enough if this never changes? ever changes. So if you tell me, well, 60% of the time he's great and 40% of the time he's just awful and I can't stand it and I want him to be different. I want him to treat me better and I want him to uh, show up as nicer and not abusive. And if 
that number is agreeable to you, the 60-40 split there, then that's your answer. Yes, I can be happy at least 60% of the time and I can be okay with that 40% not being so great or being terrible. But I, I believe you have to answer that question. You have to come to a yes to that question. And it should be not just a okay maybe. It should be a yes, I can be okay with that. That should be the answer if you plan on sticking around. Yes, I can be okay with that, Paul. If you said that to me, if we were in a, a coaching situation and, and you said, well, I don't know, Paul, uh, he might change, he might not. And I said, well, if he never ever changes, can you be okay with that? Will you be happy enough? Will it be good enough? And you thought about it and you said, well, I guess considering that uh, things could be a lot worse, I think I can be happy enough. If you said that to me, then I would say, okay, are you sure? That's, this is, you know, never changes. This is the rest of your life. And it may not be the rest of your life. Maybe you'll separate later down the road. But here, now, looking at what you're dealing with today and have been dealing with up till now, if this never, ever changed, would you be okay with it? You might say, well, no, I won't be okay. I couldn't be okay with that because I want him to change. Then you're not there. That's your answer. You want him to change. And then I would follow up and say, okay, let's just say he never did. Let's just say you knew for a fact he would never, ever change. What would be your answer? Because that's the truth right there. Your answer defines what maybe what path you should follow. Because if you don't follow that path, there's going to be internal resistance. There's going to be an internal conflict. And you're going to think uh, there's something better out there. Always. You're going to be thinking, I wish life was better for me. So you're going to have maybe regret. And all of these things build up. And they fester inside your body. They infect you. And when you're infected with um, regret and thinking there's more out there and I want something else and I wish he would just be nicer. And when you have all these thoughts and they're inside you, they usually start eating away at you because you want something different. This is why it's important to answer that question honestly because if you said, um, I would be okay with it. If you said, yeah, if you said that, I'd be okay with it. It would, it would be good enough and I'm happy most of the time or at least half the time and I'd be okay with that. Then I would, I would tell you, you may not like this, then you have to accept it. You have to accept all of him. You have to accept his good and bad, whatever you want to call it, his good and difficult, his good and challenging, his good and toxic. You have to accept it all. Well, I don't want to accept it all. Yeah, I hear you. But if you're telling me now that you'd be okay with it and you're willing to just push forward and be resilient and accept all these behaviors, or at least you're okay, it's good enough, all these behaviors, then you have to be in a place where you're willing to accept the bad with the good. And that might mean when he yells, you go into a space of, well, He's yelling, I'll just wait till it's over, and this is just who he is. Believe me, I don't want you to feel any bad or negative feelings about this. I don't want you to have to be in a toxic situation. Your best friend is going to say, you got to get the hell out of there. <laughs> they might say that because they don't want you to hurt. I don't want you to hurt. But if you choose to stay, stay with somebody like this, then you do have to come to a place of acceptance. And that means you really can't tell them to be anyone else. You really can't tell them to change. I mean, you can have that conversation, but if they don't change, if they don't stop their behaviors, uh, you have to remind yourself, well, this is uh, my acceptance of who they are. Again, I don't want you to be in a toxic situation because if you're telling me, no, it's a lot worse more often than it's good, then you have to make a decision based on that. What is that decision to you? Your decision may not be leaving or maybe separating or divorcing. It may be a number of things. 
That's a personal choice. But I like to base my personal choices on hard data. So I'm not going to say, well, I hope he changes and uh, maybe things will get better. So I'm just going to stick it out. I'm not going to do that because it's not really hard data. And I know we don't know the future. But I look at the trend, I look at the history, and I say, well, up to now, this is how it's been. So my hard data is this is how it will be from this point on because this is how it's been. I create the hard data if I don't have it. I create the facts if I don't have them. But you might be making stuff up. (laughs) It's true. I might make something up. I might say, he'll never change. And then realize um, to myself, well, maybe what if tomorrow he does? What if tomorrow he becomes a new person? He sees the light and we can rejoice because now he's changed. Well, A, I've never seen that. (laughs) I've never seen someone change overnight. And uh, B, that's wishful thinking. I don't base my decisions on wishful thinking. I base my decisions on hard data. And I need to know for a fact that um, what decision I'm making is based on the data that I've collected. The data I've collected is the history. This is how he's treated me up to this point. I should expect nothing different. All right, I'm going to be very vulnerable. My vulnerability is, um, mi nombre es Pocoliani. So that's the extent of my Spanish so far, but I really, really wanted to learn Spanish all my life, and Babbel is easing me into learning a language. They have 15-minute lessons. It's the perfect way to learn a new language on the go, and now's my chance. Now's your chance to learn a new language using Babbel's expertly crafted lessons built around real life. You can learn how to have practical conversations about travel, relationships, business, and more. Plus, this is huge. Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. So I am just beginning this journey into this new language. I am so excited about where it's going to take me. And uh, I am sharing this with you because I am using Babbel right now. And when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you'll get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of three when you go to babbel.com and use the promo code TOB, like the overwhelmed brain, TOB. That's babbel.com, B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Use the promo code TOB to get those extra months. Adios. Now I want to share something else that has both my girlfriend and I were just excited about this because I have been dealing with allergies ever since I moved to Georgia. And let me tell you something. Air Doctor helped immensely with this issue. Now when we walk in our house, we have this purified air. I mean, we spend over 90% of our time inside the house and we're breathing, what is it, 30,000 gallons of air daily. But what our Air Doctor does is it filters out dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold, and it's got the ultra HEPA filter, and this thing just works. I mean, her and I take a walk every day, and I remember the last time we did, I could smell things. I could smell the air. I could smell different smells. I felt like a dog. I've not been able to smell like that in a while, so we just love it. And when you get yours, it comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, you can send it back for a refund minus shipping. But you get to try it out and experience, hopefully, what we're experiencing. Head over to airdoctorpro.com and use the promo code BRAIN. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to $300 off. You can lock in this special offer by going to airdoctorpro. That's three words, Air A-I-R, doctor, D-O-C-T-O-R, Pro, P-R-O, dot com, and use the promo code BRAIN when checking out. Here's the wonderful thing is that you start to make a decision for yourself. You start to move in that direction. And let's just say he does change. He starts changing tomorrow. And then from that point on, 
He's treating you nicer. He's healing. He's whatever, taking his meds. He's seeing a psychiatrist, whatever it is. He's changing. He's doing all the work. Bonus. That's how I see it. You, you have the facts and you're moving in that direction and you start seeing these changes. That's bonus. I still think you keep moving in a direction. Doesn't mean you have to make the decision right away, but now you have new facts. So you start moving in this other direction. Let's just say that you're going to leave, but you start to see these changes. So you think, okay, I can postpone leaving because there's a new fact or there are new facts on the table. So I'll postpone leaving. At this point, you have the old facts and the new facts, and you realize the old facts could come back. So this is where the maybe the two or three strike rule comes in or comes into play. The two or three strike rule, depending on your criteria, mine's usually two, but some people, they might want to do three. And uh, what does that mean? That means, okay, uh, now you're acting nice, so I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to withhold or I'm going to withdraw my uh, departure here and I'm going to give you another chance and see what happens. And I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts and hopefully it will last. But I'm not going to just fall into this trusting, loving, safe space feeling like this is the new you because I have to gauge it. I have to build up my fact database again and figure out if this is going to be a uh, permanent change because if it's a permanent change this would be great this is what I wanted all along but if it's not strike one that could be strike two I don't know depends on where you are this person said that um, they changed her husband changed for a little while and then uh, now he's doing this other stuff is that a strike that could be because if that's what you say is causing your unhappiness and that is not how you want life to be from this point on and you don't want to tolerate it because it's just bad for you, it's bad for the kids, then you might have to say, sorry, that's a strike. If it happens again, it's over. That could be your direction. Again, I'm not pushing you in any direction. I'm just helping you build facts for your decision because it's so much easier, even though it's a hard decision, so much easier to make some decisions like this when you have built up facts and not ambiguities, wishful thinking, hope, even prayer sometimes. Like I pray this person changes. That's still based on hope. Like I hope they do. I hope my prayers come true. And so you are waiting and waiting and waiting and then they start acting nice and then you're waiting some more and then they start acting bad and then you wait again and you hope some more. You don't get anywhere because you don't have any uh, real solid direction in your life when you don't build your personal decisions on the facts that you might have to uh, figure out. You might have to figure out what the facts are. Again, my personal way to do this is to look at history. How have they been? Are they on an upward trend? Are they doing better every day? Are they doing better every month and every uh, two months? And then they have a little slip, but they keep going. They make up for that and they keep going and it, and it still feels like progress. That, that would change the rules for me. It would change things for me to look at it and say, well, it's been great, a couple slip ups, but it continues to be great and I feel good about it. And there's my facts. So that's the buildup of facts. That's the organization of all the data that you have. But don't ever leave it at, hmm, not sure. Don't leave it there. I mean, at the beginning, you might have to. You have to figure things out. But how many weeks, months, and years have to go by before you finally make a decision? And this is kind of my final point is that there's an expiration. There's a um, timeline that really needs to happen when you are stuck at a decision. And that timeline is, uh, this is how I look at it. If X doesn't happen by this date, then I need to decide. Because yeah, maybe there is some progress, but there, there's a huge setback every now and then. And the setbacks are just too big to ignore. 
but then there's huge progress, but maybe it's not really progress at all. He's just being nice. So you, you have all this data and maybe it's not solid enough. Maybe it's not factual enough. Maybe you're just not sure. That's why I like a timeline, an expiration, and along with that accountability. What's the accountability? If you don't stop this by this date, I'm leaving. Ouch. And if you do it again when I stay, uh, I'm leaving permanently. Ouch. Those are huge declarations of what you're going to do, but they are effective for most people because there's a seriousness about it. I am serious, 100%. And when you say you're going to do something, you do it. That's how I see things. This is how I do it. This is called congruence. I am congruent in my thoughts and my actions, in my words and my actions. I am telling you what I'm going to do, and if you screw it up, I'm going to do it. Or I give you one strike, one more, I'm going to do this. Because without the seriousness, they think uh, there's really no accountability. Like, why would I change if you didn't leave last time you said you were going to leave? Why would I change? There's no reason. You're still here. And uh, I don't want you to leave. But um, if you say you're going to leave and you don't, I guess there's no incentive to leave because uh, you're still here. So that might be what they look at. There's really no accountability because you're still here. And I still get to do what I want to do. So uh, I don't see any reason to change. I don't know if this has been helpful to you, but I hope it has because there's a lot of um, relationship challenges that come along that uh, are very difficult. They're very complex sometimes. Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe they didn't mean to hurt me and or uh, maybe they did mean to hurt me, but then they were apologetic and maybe they meant that apology. And uh, it builds up and builds up and builds up. And sometimes, and I hear this a lot, uh, this person has hurt me over and over and over again, but they always apologize. And a month later, they're so nice and they don't screw up for a long time. And then they mess things up again and they hurt me again. And I ask, well, how often do you want to be hurt in the future? They say, well, never. I never want to be hurt. Then I would say, then you need to say, look, strike two, <laughs> strike three and you're out. And I know that's just a lot easier said than done. And uh, there, there has to be conversations. Of course, you have to communicate. Look, you're hurting me. And this is something I always say. Do you realize that what you're doing is hurting me? Do you realize it? Because some people may not. Some people are just, ah, they're out in the clouds. I, I can't figure it out. I, that's who I was when I was married and my other relationships. I didn't know I was hurting them. I could see them crying and it wasn't enough for me to change. I could see them hurting and I could attribute their hurt to the conversation that we just had or the action that I just took. But I was just so naive. I was just ignorant and I was just, again, emotionally abusive, but in a way that um, I didn't see that I was the problem or I was the cause of their hurting. I believe that if they only did what I said, that we would both be happy. That was my ignorance, my naivete, and my emotionally abusive ways. That was why I kept hurting them, because I believed they were the cause of their own hurt, because they weren't listening to me. Very narcissistic. I had narcissistic tendencies. I was just not always a healthy person. So I had to learn this stuff. This is why I come on the air and tell you this so you don't repeat my mistakes. You deserve to have a great relationship with anyone in your life, whether that be romantic or family. Family is a whole nother, whole nother challenge sometimes. Um, coworkers, friends, you deserve to have great relationships. And I believe great relationships have to have boundaries. They have to have rules. They have to have guidelines. In a romantic relationship, I believe you sign the proverbial con contract that says, I wish to be treated this way. Please sign here. And I will treat you this way. I'll sign this too. 
That's the proverbial relationship contract. I am going to treat you the way that you deserve to be treated. And hopefully that's good. (laughs) You deserve to be treated with kindness and respect. And I want you to be happy. I'm going to sign that. And so when one person violates the relationship contract, you can both look at it and say, look, this is what's happening. This is what's happening here. And uh, you're not treating me like you did in the beginning when we, quote, signed this contract. I mean, you wouldn't talk this way, obviously. But this is our agreement. We're, we're supposed to go into this relationship together being happy that each other is happy, supporting the other person's path to happiness, supporting the other person's decisions, even when we disagree with them, or disagreeing but not being a jerk about it. <laughs> disagreeing is a normal thing in relationships because we all are built differently and think differently. But it shouldn't lead to pure hurtful behavior. It should be something that we talk about. And if we can't come to an agreement, there may be an acceptance that, okay, we'll agree to disagree. Or maybe it's too big. Some disagreements are just too big for the relationship to uh, continue with. If one of you wants a child and the other says, I don't want any children, and then suddenly you get pregnant and then you have to talk about the abortion thing, and that might go badly in some relationships. Political differences might go badly in some relationships. And the question is, can you be okay with each other's values? Can you be okay with each other's decisions? And sometimes you just have to say no. Sometimes that's the answer. Sometimes you have to realize that this person isn't fully compatible with me. What am I going to do? This person isn't compatible, but I, I love them. This is where you have to come to an acceptance of either we're going to agree to disagree and that's okay and we'll figure it out, or it's too big. The disagreement, the disagreement is too big and we're not going to be able to figure this out. And if that's the case, just be real. I mean, let's be real about this. We have to talk about this. We're not agreeing to it and this may not work out for us. And let me just say this finally. Finally getting closure here. I'm close to the end of the show. When you get to the point where you both disagree on something and one person has a side and the other person has a side, when the ultimatum of, you know, a final blow to the relationship has come and you say, well, I guess it's not going to work out. I guess we're going to have to go our separate ways. Then in that moment, there's a shift or not. And what I mean by that, in that moment, the reality strikes one or both of you. Like, oh my God, we're really going to lose this. Everything else seems so great, but we're really going to lose this over this? That's when reality hits hard because of the finality. You are reaching the final decision, the final moment where it's all or nothing. And almost every time I see this, every time it's an all or nothing moment, there could be, and there often is, a shift in one or both people. You know, if there's love, in connection there and they want to keep that love and connection, there's usually a shift in one or both people. And that shift could look like a a comment like, you know, maybe I've been too harsh and stern about this uh, conversation about the topic. Maybe I haven't really thought it through enough because we love to hold on to what we believe in and we love to hold on what we feel right about And nobody is going to shake us from that belief. Nobody's going to shake us from being right about that. And so we hold on to it, even with people we love, until the final moment when we know that it's all or nothing. I could lose this person forever. This could be the end. And I see this over and over again in that final moment. There sometimes and usually is a shift in one or both people. Like we're really going to split over this? We're really not going to go any further? This is it? There might be that one little pathway change in their brain pattern or yours where you say, you know, I got to think about this. Maybe I haven't thought about it enough. Maybe 
I need to make a decision based on more data. Maybe I need to consider things differently. I mean, this is what happened to me. When I met my girlfriend, I was in New Hampshire. She was in Georgia. And I said, no, nope, I'm not leaving New Hampshire. That's it. I'm, I feel good about that decision. And you live in Georgia. You can't leave Georgia. You have kids and or a kid. And you're not coming to New Hampshire. You don't want to live in New Hampshire. You don't want to live in the snow. Uh, okay. Uh, I guess this is it. <laughs> Basically, where we were. We were at that no longer crossroad. It was a crossroad at the beginning. Like, well, I don't want to leave New Hampshire. She doesn't want to leave Georgia. She can't. And I said, that's it. I, I guess this is it. And we both agreed. Like, you know, we, we're not going to form a relationship here. We were friends and we'd, we'd stay friends. But the talk of a romantic partnership um, ended right then and there. I guess I'm not moving. Well, I guess this won't be a romantic connection. We'll just stay friends. And we were both okay with that. But it was kind of sad. But it was that moment, that final blow to what could be. But we didn't know what it could be. We didn't know. But uh, we talked about this and said, I guess that's it. It only took me, what, uh, <laughs> I think an hour or two, where I finally reflected on my staunch holding on to, grasping this idea that I had to stay in New Hampshire. That was my my box. I was in that box and I wasn't ever going to step out of that box because I'm my own man. I'm going to do what I want to do. And this is what I want to do. And it's the first time I'm not following some love interest somewhere else. I'm going to stay where I want to stay. I'm going to live where I want to live. And I, I said, okay, that was it. And then an hour later, <laughs> I had these thoughts. I thought, why am I so adamant about this? Why am I stuck staying here? And I, I told myself, because I always follow the woman. I always follow her wherever she is. I go to where they are. And that's not me. And plus, I want to stay here with my family. I want to stay near my family. And for the first time, I had a thought that never occurred to me. Paul, you can live in Georgia and still visit New Hampshire. Oh, <laughs> I can't. Oh, yeah, of course I can. But I want to live here. But you can. Or maybe you can go down there and just try it out for a while and see what it's like. If you don't like it, just come back. Oh, <laughs> so these new thoughts started entering my mind that I did not allow before. And that changed everything. I called her back a couple hours later. I said, you know, uh, I think I'd be okay just coming down and trying it out. What's the harm in that? And she said, what? This is totally different than what you just said earlier. And I said, I know, but I thought about it and I realized I was just being stubborn and I wasn't allowing myself to think outside the box. I believed I knew what I wanted and I was going to go in that direction, but presented with this, uh, I guess it's not going to work out, you know, this final or finality of the relationship, I had different thoughts and I felt differently and I thought differently. And nine years later, I'm still here, still in Georgia and I love her. I love where we live and we're going to go on vacation and visit New Hampshire. <laughs> this is what we're going to do. And this is what we do and what we've been doing like once a year sometimes. And so uh, that's how life changed for me because in those final moments I made a different decision because I wouldn't have had that decision that wouldn't have come to me had it not been the final blow, which is basically an all or nothing moment. I hope this has been helpful. Thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate you. We'll be right back with my thank yous and my goodbyes and my final words right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank the patrons of the week. These are the financial supporters of the show. They give typically monthly, and I am so grateful for all of them. Anna, good to see you again. Harriet, Andreas, Allison, Mary, Debbie, Brian, Kelly. Are you new? Kelly, I think, is new. I don't think I said hello to you yet. I am so grateful for you. Thank you for joining, Kelly. Paige, thank you all so much for your 
supported the show. Thank you very much. And uh, they found value in the show. And if you find value in this podcast and you want to give back, you can head over to moretob.com and there are options to do that over there. Thank you again, patrons. I appreciate all of you. And uh, for a show on how to deal with difficult relationships, yeah, you can listen to this one, but there's also another podcast that I created called Love and Abuse over at loveandabuse.com. And that gets really into the weeds of the manipulation and the control and the difficulties that uh, some people create in the relationship and how to deal with that and what to do about it over at loveandabuse.com if you need that. And if you find out that you're the difficult one in the relationship, like I used to be, I hope used to be, I don't want to be that way anymore. I have written a very extensive, very comprehensive step-by-step program on how to stop doing the behaviors, how to stop being hurtful, and um, how to start healing from that. That's over at healedbeing.com. And finally, thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And to close the show, uh, I think I'm going to give you an example of something I talked about today, which has to do with when they start being nice. Like you're, you get hurt by someone and they are apologetic and they do it over and over again. And then they start being nice because you give them that ultimatum. That's it. It's over. It's not really an ultimatum. It's a declaration. This is it. I'm done. This is what I'm going to do. And that to them is when they finally get it and they say, okay, 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 I'll stop hurting you or I'll stop doing these behaviors. When they get to that point, I think it's important to remember that some people stop doing hurtful behaviors not because they don't want to hurt you. That doesn't sound very pleasant at all, but this is what happens. Some people stop doing hurtful behaviors because they realize that you don't want to be hurt and that if you continue doing it, there will be some accountability that they don't want to deal with. So they stop doing it. And that's kind of sad because you would hope that somebody would stop doing hurtful behaviors because they love you and they don't want to see you hurt. And they don't want to be the person that hurts you because they care about you. And that's one of the most common questions I hear from victims of emotional abuse and such is they'll say or they'll ask why did that person hurt me when they say they loved me why did they hurt me they said they loved me why did they hurt me sometimes the abusive behavior is unconscious sometimes it's what I talked about today where I didn't think I was wrong and I thought they were just creating their own havoc in their own life by not doing what I believed they should have done and you know, I can unpack that and a lot of toxic elements to what I just said. But that's what happens is that some people don't know what they're doing. And some people do. Some people do know they're hurting you, but they're doing it for your own good. It's just unhealthy. It's very toxic. And it's important for you to recognize when somebody's being nice just so they don't have to deal with the accountability of not being nice. Now, I'm not saying that uh, their change in behavior and uh, them being nice to you isn't a bad thing. Let's just say they do that and they do it continuously, indefinitely. If that's the case and everything else is okay about the relationship, then they have learned to control themselves. And maybe they still think they're right. Maybe they still think, well, they, sh- you know, my partner, or the person I care about should still do what I want them to do, but they're not but I'm not going to give them a hard time anymore. So maybe they still think that way and that could be eating away at them inside and they might explode one day. Let's hope they don't. But let's just say that they only stop the behavior and they're nice only because you don't want them to be uh, hurtful. You don't want them to be challenging. You don't want them to be difficult. So they stop the behaviors. But their original reason that that they're doing it hasn't changed. I think if it works for you, I'm okay with it because they're stopping the bad behaviors. If it works for you, I'm okay with that. If they stop the stopping, they stop doing that, they stop being nice, that's when you look at your two or three strike rule and make a decision from there. But it's important to understand that some people will 
stop doing the behaviors, but won't necessarily stop doing them because you're hurt. And I think that's a good distinction to make. Are you stopping doing that because you know I'm right and you know it hurts me and you care if I'm hurt or not? Or are you stopping because you just don't want me to leave? That's probably an answer I don't, maybe half of you will get an honest reply to. Now, I I do a program that helps people that are hurting others. Uh, and I don't necessarily say that you should just stop the behaviors and everything will be fine. I have to walk them through how to cope with the challenges and the difficulties of relating to others. That's really what my healed being program is all about. They have to cope with the challenges of dealing with other people and dealing with stress. Because if you don't know how to deal with stress, you might be capable of hurting someone else because you're not dealing with it or you don't know how. That, that's a coping mechanism. I don't know how to deal with this challenge, so I'm going to make life difficult for you because I don't know how to handle this emotion or this emotional state. I don't want to dive into my own psyche or my own past traumas, so I'm going to make it difficult for you. Just change for me so that I don't have to uh, change for you or change for myself. If you change for me, then I can stay who I am. And obviously, I'm the voice of the emotionally abusive person that is making life difficult for you. That should change when they're healing. That voice should change into, you know, I've made your life really hard and I'm sorry. I have screwed up so often and I'm sorry. I definitely need to work on myself from this point on. I need to focus on myself and stop focusing on you. I need to heal my behaviors and figure out how to cope in a healthy way because I can't cope in a healthy way today, which is why I'm hurting you and you don't deserve it. I love you. I care about you. I don't want you to be hurt anymore. And in order to make that happen, I have to work on myself. Wouldn't that be the most wonderful thing you've ever heard from anyone ever? I'm trying to teach people this. I'm trying to teach people in the program. I'm trying to say, the people who love you want to love you. The people who love you want to care about you, but the people in the program that I'm talking about, you make it difficult. You make it difficult for them to care about you because you just say something or do something and then they don't want any more. They don't want to connect with you anymore. They don't want that in their life. They don't want to know that they're at fault for everything and they're, they should feel guilty for being who they are and doing what they're doing. And they don't want to feel that way. Open the door for them to love you by being vulnerable, by showing them that you have work to do on yourself. That's how I, I mean, I treat them nicer, but <laughs> I, I walk them through it. And every, everyone or almost everyone that takes the program realizes, oh, that's what I need to think about. That's how I need to approach this. That's what I need to focus on. Because most of them were focused on the other person and wanting them to change so that they didn't have to themselves. Meaning the abusive person wanted the victim to change so the abusive person didn't have to change. If you're an abusive person or you know somebody that's an abusive person, they're the ones that have to make the changes and the victim also has to go through their own healing because after the abusive relationship stops, there's healing on both sides and the victim has to find their power again. And that usually means it's going to get worse before it gets better and there's a whole thing around that I talk about in the program. But I just wanted to share this because we had a relationship show today and uh, sometimes emotionally abusive behavior comes up and um, believe me, abuse is like uh, such a loaded word and I don't even really like using it, but it is. It's an abuse of your emotions. If somebody is hurting you and they want you to feel hurt and they want you to feel bad, that's emotionally abusive and you don't deserve that. Like I say in Love and Abuse, my other podcast, I say you deserve to be treated with respect and kindness because you are worthy and significant. So as you move forward with your day or night or week or year, just keep an open mind because this is what helps you step into your power. 
this helps you create the life you want. Because if you are open-minded and you are willing to see all the data in front of you and make your decision based on that data, then you're creating your life. You're not waiting for life to happen to you. You are more powerful than you might even realize. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. Amazing.